Good morning, my renegades. Welcome back to Rogue Radio. My name is Sarah Jane, and today is another Renegade Times. This one's gonna be a regular one, so let's just jump in the trenches, shall we? Okay, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, feel free to click the links down in the description below. Thank you very much. And also get yourself some merch because goddammit, they're beautiful and they'll make you gorgeous. So, let's get into the politics. Apparently, there's supposed to be a tornado and lemon-sized hail today. I'm just saying. Pray for your fearless leader. <laughs> well, um, I didn't mean to avoid this topic, but here it is. I'm from this article it says that Trump has officially been arrested um and we're gonna talk about that right now um I guess uh it was yesterday that he got arrested so that's that's terrible but the streets of lower Manhattan buzzed with activity today ahead of former President Donald Trump's arraignment. A group of Trump supporters and counter-protesters gathered, in some cases, clashed outside the Lower Manhattan Courthouse this morning. Um, Journalists had been lined up outside the building since Monday night. There was a heavy law enforcement uh, presence, and much more of the area was closed off. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, who is bringing the case against Trump, arrived at the courthouse prior to much of the activity. Two high-profile Republican uh, members of Congress, Representatives Marjorie Taylor Greene, George Santos, um, made public appearances to voice their support for Trump. Greene and Santos left Uh, the scene quickly after the crowd grew louder and um, and more chaotic. New York Democratic Congressman Jamal uh, Bowman was also on the scene. It's crazy. When the former president uh, left Trump Tower to head to the courthouse, he put his fist in the air Uh, as a show of strength to his supporters. Television cameras will not be allowed inside the courtroom for the historic occasion. Of course it won't. Of course it won't. Um, he did tweet at one point that, um, he said it was about us and not him. Like, the whole thing was about him standing in the way of the government to get to us, so yeah, he's he's only in the government's way, and that 
that's what they're trying to do is trying to get him out of the way so that we can be victims again of the system um but three democrat lawmakers in tennessee could lose their jobs as a result of behavior at a recent protest inside the tennessee state house um resolutions of expulsion were filed monday against reps gloria johnson justin jones and um i think these are like three different um I'm sorry, these are like three different stories all in one. So it does say, Tuesday afternoon update, Trump officially arrested passport delays and Google cutbacks. So I don't know. I I was just more interested in talking about Trump. So we just did Trump. We're just going to go back. Okay, so, um, I don't know what this one's about. I'm gonna read it. Usually when I pick an article to read, I'm learning along with you guys. So, the Biden administration facilitating child, or, sorry, trafficking of child refugees to Florida grand jury charges. A Florida grand jury accused um, the Biden administration of facilitating the trafficking of child refugees um, after a five-month investigation um, conducted at a at the request of Governor Ron DeSantis. The panel issued a scathing report, denounced the Biden administration and the particular the particular in particular Jesus. Um, the Homeland Security Department and Department of Health and Human Services uh, Office of Refugee Resettlement. Uh, it disputed um, the ORR's claim. I've been getting a lot of scam calls lately. But it disputed the ORR's claim that child refugees were being cared for and reunited with their families. Yeah, sure. In reality, ORR is facilitating the forced migration, sale, abuse of foreign children, and some of our fellow Florida residents are, in some cases, unwittingly funding uh, the incentivizing, uh, I'm sorry, funding and incentivizing it for primarily economic reasons. Why are you selling children for economic reasons? Like, I know that's a big-ass business, but don't you have no fucking, like, you have no fucking heart, bro. Um, if any resident of Florida exposes U.S.-born children to, um, this process, they would be justifiably arrested for child neglect or worse. Uh, through the White House policies, the two federal agencies are effectively encouraging unaccompanied children from South and Central America to make the dangerous trip to the U.S. border, the grand jury found. Uh, Once at the border, many of the children are abandoned and unvetted, or two unvetted adults, um, the report found. This process exposes children to horrifying health conditions, constant criminal threat, labor, and trafficking, sex trafficking, 
robbery, rape, and other experiences not done uh, justice by mere words. Um, the report stated, adding that grand jurors uh, were repulsed and horrified by testimony and video documenting the treatment of foreign children. Uh, it was not immediately clear that, uh, or clear what witnesses testified before the grand jury. The report reveals uh, that the grand jury issued subpoenas and requests for documents and information to Florida non-governmental organizations uh, doing business with ORR, um, but are stemmied? Stemmied? I don't know. All right. We received instead a response from the organizations that they would purposefully be ignoring some of the requests under orders of the ORR. Why, why are you fucking purposefully ignoring shit? Uh, with whom they have contractual relationships. Okay. The NGO officially reported um, they told the panel their organization would rather operate an unlicensed and illegal child placement facility than risk losing ORR's funding, the report asserts. That's shady as fuck. <laughs> um, the ORR actively discouraged its employees from questioning the process even initially, or even internally, um, even firing some according to the report. One of the fired for reporting a case of suspected human trafficking oh, um, of over 100 UAC shipped off to the single house to a, sin to a single house in Texas. What the fuck? There's just a hundred... I'm pissed. I'm pissed. Uh, yeah, to a government hotline because her ORR superiors uh, refused to investigate the matter, it said. Now, this is a human trafficking problem. This is human trafficking. This is... They're doing some shady shit. They're like, you know, uh, we got some refugees. You know, you do realize that the government don't care. There's a lot of big businesses, like the OR that do not give a shit about people. If you go high enough up to the elite, they don't give a shit about you. There are people no smarter than you that don't give a shit about you. They would rather see you be treated like cattle. They will, um... They will do horrifying things to children. They will rape, hunt, and kill them. They will cut off their limbs just to rape them, that way they don't fight back. They will drink their blood. All because of selfish gain. That's all it is. It's disgusting, and it's wrong, and yeah. I don't give a shit if I say that. I don't give a shit if I expose that, because it needs to be exposed. It's not just the government and politicians and celebrities that do this, it's also big businesses and organizations like this shit. Like this piece of shit. The report also slammed HHS, noting that the beginning of the investigation, accusing a, the agency of blocking its request for um, 
routine information. The HHS slow walked productions and eventually provided the information in uns- unusable or difficult to use formats, causing unacceptable and obstructive delays. The HHS also redacted uh, vital tracking numbers from the hard copy documents, meaning that staff were unable to link um, related SIR significant indicators. In- Wow. Significant incident reports. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so yeah, they couldn't link the SIRs to any other, like, other documents because they took the serial numbers off or something like that, the tracking numbers. So DeSantis called for the guard jury um, investigation. I'm dumb. I'm sorry. <laughs> He called for the grand jury investigation amid reports the ORR was flying in illegal immigrants detained at the border. Uh, the panel determined it was occurring in uh, on a massive scale and largely in a secret. Yeah, they, they don't want anybody to know. They don't want anybody to know that they're just shipping people and they're trafficking them. We learn that the very uh, clandestine nature of ORR's process was what was first attracted uh, the attention of some in our state. Um, During a six-month period in 2021, more than 70 large commercial passenger jets landed at the International Airport in Jacksonville, the report stated. These flights arrived in the night time often after midnight and landed not at the passenger terminal but instead at an out-of-the-way commercial terminal used normally for shipping freight um, away from police facilities and miles from the passenger terminal. Uh, once in once in the Sunshine State, the passengers were whisked away in private buses to unknown locations. Of an oper- or if an operation were ferrying terrorists or uh, large quantities of narcotics, this is what it would look like, the report said. Wow. Fucking nuts. I don't support any type of transitioning. Okay. Um, I know that sounds cruel to some people, but... I don't, and the reason is, is because of the safety of the people who want to transition is not always secured, it's not always um, an absolute, you know, it's not always sure, you know, so anybody who is transitioning or who is, um, who is transgender, don't think that I hate you, I just care about your safety, because this, all of the transition, you know, surgeries and stuff, all of it is experimental. Um, there have been tons of people that have, um, had many infections, skin infections, um, just internal infections, that won't go away all because they decided to transition and now they have to deal with that problem. 
uh, with being transitioned and they're not physically well. Well, apparently that is also correct with people who are not mentally well after they have transitioned, so we're going to get into that real quick. Okay, parents report child's mental health deteriorated um, considerably after transitioning. Parents are often pressured into transitioning their child to treat uh, gender dysphoria after uh, the parents reported worse mental health outcomes for their children, according to a new study. Northwestern University psychology professor Michael Bailey analyzed survey data from 1,655 uh, parents of youth and young adult children who identified as the opposite sex or non-binary. The survey data was compiled by the anonymous support group uh, Parents of Rapid Onset, Onset Gender Dysphoria Kids, an organization that uh, collects horror stories from parents whose children struggled with uh, gender dysphoria. The data collected came from families uh, with children who began to identify as transgender between the ages of 11 and 21. Bailey's study found that gender dysphoria um, impacted girls much more than boys. 75% of gender dysphoric children are biological females. Um, Girls were also much more likely to social socially transition or more in order to uh, catch their gender identity to match I'm sorry match their gender identity a uh, history of mental health issues was um, defining a trait of most children who later struggled with gender dysphoria pre-exist I can't speak I swear to God pre-existing mental health issues were... Uh, common and youths and these issues were more likely than uh, those without them to the socially and medically transition the study says parents reported that they had often felt pressured by clinicians to affirm their AI AYA child's new gender and uh, support their transition according to the parents AYA children's mental health um, deteriorated considerably after social transition. Parents of ROGD kids uh, say that the study backs up its assertions that one of the prime causes of gender dysphoria and transgender identification in young people is social uh, contagion? I'm not sure how you say that word. I don't use that word on a daily basis. Girls are especially susceptible to uh, suggestion and group uh, think influenced by their social circles, the group says. These youth are most likely using gender dysphoria to describe general feelings of dysphoria uh, that may have no other name for and do not understand. Transitioning will not help them. It can only be irreversible. It can only cause irreversible harm 
and make things much worse, the group said in a press release touting the study. Um, in a footnote to its release, parents of ROGD kids also knocked the uh, Washington Post for an article the paper published last month suggesting that transgender treatment led to happier outcomes from people who identify as transgender. Um, on March 23, 2023, the Washington Post reported on a survey that found the majority of trans adults were happy they had transitioned. While uh, they may feel that way on every question relating to mental health, and social functioning, they rated themselves worse off than the total population survey, the group said. Most alarming, 78% of trans respondents reported that they had serious mental health issues as a child or teenager. Um, these results support our conclusion, transitioning does not improve social and emotional functioning, it added. Yeah, um... Unfortunately, sometimes uh, adults and children, they end up getting traumatized, and sometimes that goes with the mental health problems that they were finding in this uh, statistic. So, I'm not going to say that all trans people experience the same thing. I'm not going to sit here and say that. But I am saying that the majority of people who choose to be transgender, who choose to go under the knife and become the gender that they believe that they are, um, a lot of the time there's some underlying trauma that's not being dealt with. And that's coming from a mental health recovery coach who has seen stuff like this already. They come into the center and they talk and they're like, well, this is why, or this is the reason, and all of this stuff, and I'm just like, wow, okay, people need to, people need to hear about this. The reason why I believe that a lot of people who transition, like, the reason why, whether they realize it or not, is because they don't feel loved. They don't feel loved in their biological skin, they were different. They were probably wearing guys' clothes or girls' clothes at the time, and they didn't feel loved by their parents, or they didn't feel loved by their friends or accepted by their friends. So a lot of the time, they'll be, they'll wonder why on earth they're feeling this way, and their conclusion, okay, like I said, I'm not going to assume everybody's story. But this is the majority. Not all, but a lot. Okay. They decide, well, maybe I'll be happier in this gender. Maybe I'll be happy as a girl or a boy. Stuff like that. Trauma needs to be dealt with. And people need to be loved, especially people who are transgender. They need to be loved. And... They also need to be protected from this. They, they need to be protected from this uh, choppy surgery procedures. Like, they, they can't be, tra they can't transition because it is a, it's an experimental surgery. This is not professional. And anything can happen. 
If someone has transitioned without a problem, you're lucky. You're very lucky. I think it's time for a break. So here is the random miscellaneous section of the podcast. I still don't have a name for it. Anybody have a name for this section? It would be very appreciated because all I can think of is that it's random or maybe lifestyle. I don't know. Let's just go. Let's just go. Okay. I am still waiting for season six of My Hero Academia to be dubbed. Me and my husband are on the edge of our seat. It's been happening to Deku and the rest of them. So in order to hold me all over until all of the uh, episodes are dubbed, which is going to take a very long time. It might not happen. It might not be finished until like this summer. But... Here are 10 strongest My Hero Academia characters with the weakest quirks. Okay, so here we go. Who is number 10? Gunhead? Really? He has a gun for a head. (laughs) Um, The intimidating pro hero Gunhead is actually a good person deep down, even if uh, he looks more like a villain. Gunhead has a ranged quirk called... uh, Gatling and can fire certain or keratin bullets. Keratin bullets? Keratin is made of hair. Anyway, in sh- at short to medium range, though Gunhead is hardly ever seen using his quirk. Um, instead, Gunhead focuses on martial um, he is best known for and he runs a dojo-like pro hero agency to match. Ochako Uaraka sought him out for this very reason, aiming to uh, learn close quarters combat to make uh, better use of her touch-only quirk. So, next one is Toya Setsuno. Who are you? Uh, the minor villain Toyo Setsuno is one of the eight. It's one of the eight bullets, or. Uh, Overhaul's elite uh, minions. Okay, so that's why I don't remember him. (laughs) Okay, in the Shihisaikai crime family, Toya may not be on Muscular's level, but he's still tough and uh, who can beat down any opponent alongside his allies. Toya may uh, be a tough street punk with killer instincts, but uh, this larceny quirk his larceny quirk is mediocre at best he can steal small items from afar but this quirk won't often win him a fight and it won't even do anything against characters like Fumakage or Tenya Ida who don't have anything for him to steal don't do my boy Sato like this man don't do my boy Sato like this. He's he's like fat gum, okay? 
Bro, leave him alone, dude. <laughs> Rikido Sato, the tall, polite Rikido Sato, is a melee powerhouse, and uh, he hardly <clears throat> needs a sugar rush quirk to bulk up and uh, pummel villains and criminals into submission. Uh, he is a gentle giant who prefers baking and peace over combat, but he is also a brave and confident fighter. Rikido's sugar rush ability can power him up even more, uh, but the boost is temporary, and then he falls apart as his sugar high ends. Uh, a skilled brawny student hero like Rikido um, needs a different melee-oriented quirk to get the most out of his natural physical talents uh, to truly shine. I'm just saying, he's kind of like Fat Gum, where like, Fat Gum gets fueled by food in order to get fat, and then he's able to, like, mow people down like a damn bulldozer. Um, Rikido, the only difference with him is that he actually gets muscular when eating sugar, and then he's more powerful when he has sugar in his system in order to, like, fight people head-on. Kind of the same thing. I'm just saying, do not do that to my dude. Number seven is Spinner, which, yeah, Spinner is a piece of shit. Anyway, Spinner is a gecko-themed um, heteromorph. That's what they're called in this universe? Okay. And his quirk did far more to shape him in a or as a person than, his, than as a fighter. Okay. Uh, like many heteromorphs, Spinner faced a great deal of discrimination, which drove him to join the heroes so he would be accepted at last. He's a reptilian, that's what he is. Spinner <clears throat> is strong enough to be a major leader in the paranormal liberation front, and he can even swing around oversized swords, uh made of dozens of other weapons held together. Uh, that's impressive, but evidently Spinner doesn't owe any of his strength to his gecko-themed quirk. Number six is Big Sis Mags. Magna uh, was one of the League of Villains' most brutal characters of all. The wild, wild pussycats uh, recognized uh, her as a murderous criminal who can easily take lives just for fun, and even the formidable tiger uh, had a rough time facing the facing Magna. Okay, in a single combat, while Magna's quirk, magnetism, has its uses, but isn't Magna's primary asset. The quirk can draw people to. The opposite sex, rather, or no, I'm sorry, what can this quirk can draw people of the opposite sex together, or repel same-sex people? But Magna was never seen putting his quirk to really good use in the anime. Instead, Magna relies on her first and kill first and killer instincts. To get the job done. I have never heard of something like that. Number five is the fourth kind. So, this guy has four arms. Okay. The suit-wearing pro-hero fourth kind didn't 
make a good impression in the My Hero Academia's internship mini arc. Fourth Kind had a hot temper, even hit Ajiro and Tetsutetsu on the head with his fists, and he only taught them to pick up litter in public spaces. Um, fourth Kind uh, has four arms, thanks to his quirk, but that's not saying much. He's clearly strong and uh, who takes fitness seriously and against ordinary criminals. Uh, having four fists is impressive. Um, against more substantial foes, though uh, his forearms quirk is seriously underwhelming. Number four is Tiger. Bro. I... I... Okay, let me just tell you my opinion about Tiger. Why does this dude have to wear a damn dress? Like, if he wanted to be in the wild, wild pussycats, he could have just wore pants. Why you gotta emasculate the dude, bro? Tiger is a powerhouse of wild, wild pussycats pro hero team, while um, the other three members rely entirely on their quirks to rescue pe to rescue people. Um, in mountain terrain, Tiger is a melee fighter who can easily take on uh, one for all and survive. In fact, Tiger uh, had nothing to fear from Azuku's usage of OFA in a uh, practice duel. Um, Tiger's pillabody quirk allows him to bend and flex in odd ways in melee combat, which gives him the edge against. Uh, other martial artists. It's a minor advantage, though it won't do much against more substantial quirks, nor does Pillabody uh, do anything to support or protect anyone else. Mirio Togata? Leave my man alone! I I'm gonna get mad. I'm gonna get madder. <laughs> if they keep, like, putting, like, UA students on here. I love all of them. But Mirio Togata, though sheer effort and experience turned his bizarre uh, permeation quirk into a serious asset, which is why he is UA's number one student on its own, though permeation offers few advantages and uh, his difficult and is difficult to master. Uh, so Mirio struggled with it for quite some time. Permeation is a double-edged sword because while it makes Mirio in intangible for defense sake, um, it also shuts down his senses and makes him fall through both floor and his clothing. However, Mirio had the grit and skills needed to hone his body into a weapon and, uh, yeah, that can make it better for permeation. So, number two is a Jiro, Mr. Tailman. I can understand why, uh, this one is kind of bad, like, kind of powerless, so it's cool. A Jiro is often, um, considered one of the, one of Class 1A's most underwhelming and forgettable students, he is a physically strong and skilled student hero uh, who can use his tail quirk to move and fight like a beefed-up monkey, uh, but he hasn't made much progress that way. Ajiro may be fit for a fit and healthy 
but his um, unimpressive tail quirk has uh, done little to make him pro-hero material so far. Um, at this point in the My Hero Academia anime, it's clear that Ajiro is doomed to be a footnote, an athletic boy with a quirk that won't let him be a real star. Well, I mean, he is a minor character, and I believe that in any show there has to be minor characters to make the universe feel a little bit more full. So, I mean, he's just a minor character. Why you put- why you put my son at number one, bro? Why you put my son at number one, you dick? Why did you put my son, Kirishima? That's my son. I'm proud of him. Now shut up. Leave him alone. <laughs> Ajiro Kirishima is one of the one of several class 1A boys who has the manly spirit and physical stamina to be a real hero, but his quirk holds him back. To his credit, um, Ajiro found ways to make his hardening quirk more useful and relevant, but there's not much uh, room left for... Hang on. Uh, for further innovation or growth. Let's see, Ajiro's quirk makes him a decent melee fighter and a good human shield, but this is only helpful in niche cases. In all major fights, Ajiro's quirk is boring after all, and his physical toughness isn't enough for him to rival the likes of Itsuka Kendo or Izuka Midoriya or Tanya Ida. Man, shut the fuck up, man. My son is doing great. I'm proud of him. Leave him alone. <laughs> okay. Here's another one of those psychological tests. I've been getting them a lot on my feed now. So, we're just gonna do it. So, we have the rook, the bishop, the king and queen, and then the knight. Okay, so these are like the um, chess pieces. So, personality test. Discover your brain power. Pick a chess piece to uncover your intelligence type. So, I pick the knight um, just because... I've always liked the knight. I don't know why. Um, but anyway, we're gonna find out what the knight uh, is in a minute. So, if you picked the rook, um, let's see. Chess piece A, analytical thinking. If you chose the first chess piece, then like you likely have an analytical mind. You are likely to you're likely the type of person that likes to think things through carefully and logically. You like to weigh the pros and cons before making a decision, and you're not one to jump into things without careful consideration. Your precise nature makes you an exceptional problem solver. You can quickly identify a problem and uh, come up with a solution that works. You also have a strong sense of fair play, so you don't make shortcuts in your uh, work or life. Number, or um, what's the next one? Bishop? So, chess piece B, strategic planning. So, 
um, people who chose the second chess piece in this personality test is strategic planners. You understand the importance of taking a step back and looking at the big picture before uh, making decisions. You don't let your emotions get in the way of your judgment and instead relying on logic and facts to inform your decisions. Your ability to plan ahead will help you anticipate uh, potential roadblocks and create backup plans in case things don't go according to plan. Your strategic thinking makes you an asset to any organization. Chess PC, which is the knight. This is the one I picked. Um, clarity of thought. Choosing the third chess piece indicates that you have a clear and focused thought process. Really? <laughs> um, you take time to assess each situation before making decisions, allowing you to make well-informed choices. Your logical approach helps you stay focused uh, on the task at hand and prevents distractions from taking over. Uh, your ability to think logically also makes it easier for you to organize complex tasks into manageable steps. So, number D. Number D. Jesus Christ. It, it's the next one. It's the king. It's the king chess piece, y'all. Alright. Your intelligence is based on creativity. Um... Though it may seem counterintuitive, people who choose the fourth chess piece uh, can be highly creative. They have the ability to look at problems from, a dif from different angles, which allows them to come up with innovative solutions. Uh, they are also able to think outside of the box, which allows them to come up with ideas that no one else has thought of before. Their creativity is often uh, understated, but can be incredibly powerful and utilized if you do when utilized correctly. Sorry, uh, chess piece E, which is the queen. Attention to detail. So, let us see this one. If you chose the last chess piece in uh, this personality test, then it means that you pay close attention to detail. You understand that small changes can uh, make a big difference in the outcome of any task or project. You are able to spot errors quickly and correct them accordingly, an invaluable trait for anyone who needs accuracy in their work. Your attention to detail also makes it easier for you to focus on importance rather than um, getting distracted by minor details. So, uh, with... Uh, it was great to explore your intelligence in this type. Okay, cool. It's, it's done. I don't even want to read the outro. I will be posting that picture, that way the people on my Instagram can also be interactive with that as well. Alright. I'm 
want to play this real quick. It's probably going to sound odd. Okay, well, what you just heard is a, is a scream from a plant. So, plants really do scream out loud. We just never heard it until now. So, it seems that Ronald Dahl may have been onto something. After all, if you heard a plant, it screams. Uh, well, sort of. Not in the same way that uh, you or I might scream. Um, they emit popping or clicking noises in ultrasonic frequencies outside the range of human hearing that increase when the plant becomes stressed. Um, this, according to scientists, could be one of the ways in which plants communicate their distress to the world around them. Um, even in a quiet field, uh, there are uh, actually sounds that we don't hear, and those sounds carry information. There are animals that can hear these sounds, so there is the possibility that a lot of acoustic interaction is occurring, explains um, evolutionary biologist uh, Leah uh, Hadene uh, of Tel Aviv uh, University in Israel. That's crazy. Because, like, I've talked about this before, how, like, I believe, um, I believe that, like, all creatures have some sort of, like, praise to God. Every living thing. It says in the Bible, like, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Well, we do know that plants live, so they emit sound as praises to God. So I know that they're screaming right now, which is fine. I'm not saying that they scream in order to praise God. I'm saying that everything that has breath has their own frequency, has their own sound. And that's crazy. I love that. I love learning about stuff like this. But uh, plants interact with insects and other animals all the time, and many of these organisms use sound for communication. So it would uh, be very sub subo suboptimal, sorry. Uh, for plants uh, to not use that sound at all. Uh, plants under stress uh, aren't as passive as you might think. They undergo some pretty dramatic changes, one of the most uh, detectable of which is, to us humans at least, is the release of some pretty powerful aromas. They can also alter the color and shape um, of their leaves or of their uh, petals. So, I understand, yes. I remember like back in the day in 7th grade we were actually uh, talking about this subject. We were actually learning about this in biology and um, they say that like when you mow the grass and that smell of like freshly mowed grass, 
that is the equivalent to the grass screaming in pain because it's letting out like the most potent and uh, like the most potent scent out. Um, these changes can signal danger to other plants nearby in which in response boost their own uh, defenses or interact animals uh, to deal with the pests um, they may be harming the plant. So, however, whether plants emit other kinds of signals such as sounds has been fully explored a few years ago. Hadne and her colleagues found that plants can detect sound. The logical uh, next question to ask was whether they can produce it too. To find out, they recorded a tomato and tobacco plants uh, in a number of uh, conditions. First, they recorded unstressed plants to uh, get a baseline. Then they recorded plants that were dehydrated, the plants that had uh, their stems cut. These recordings took place in first soundproofed acoustic chamber uh, then in a normal greenhouse uh, environment. Then they trained a machine learning algorithm to um, differentiate between the sound produced by unstressed plants and cut plants and dehydrated plants. So the sounds plants emit are like popping or clicking noises in a frequency far too high-pitched for humans to make out. Um, detectable within the radius of over a meter or 3.3 feet. Unstressed plants don't make much noise at all. They just hang out quietly um, doing their plant thing. <laughs> um, by contrast, stressed plants are much noisier, emitting an average of up to 40 clicks per hour uh, depending on the species. Um, the plants deprived of water have a noticeable sound profile. They start clicking more before they show visible signs of dehydrating. Um, let's see, escalating as it as the plant grows more parched um, before subsiding as the plant withers away. The algorithm uh, was able to distinguish between these sounds as well as the species of plant that emitted them and it's not just tomato and tobacco plants. The team tested a variety of plants and found that the sound production appears to be a pretty common plant activity. Wheat, corn, grapes, cactus, and hennebit um, were all recorded making noise. That's crazy. But there are still a few unknowns. For example, it's not clear how the sounds are being produced. In previous research, dehydrated plants have been found to experience uh, cavitation, a process whereby air bubbles in the stem form, expand, and collapse. Uh, this is in like human knuckle cracking. Okay, so it produces an audible pop. Uh, <coughs> something similar could be going on with plants. We won't know yet if the if other distress conditions can induce sound um, either. Pathogens attack 
UV exposure, temperature extremes, and other adverse conditions could also induce the plants to start popping away like bubble wrap. So it's also not clear whether sound production is an adaptive development in plants or if it is just something that happens. The team are showed, however, that an algorithm can learn to identify and distinguish between plant sounds. It's certainly possible that other organisms uh, could have done the same. In addition, these organisms could have learn to respond to the noise of distressed plants in various ways and uh, for example a moth that intends to lay eggs on a plant or an animal that intends to eat a plant could use the sounds to help guide their decision uh hadn he says okay for us humans, the implications are pretty clear. We could tune into the distress calls of thirsty plants and water them before it becomes an issue. Uh, but whether or not other plants are sensing and responding is unknown. Previous research works have shown that plants can increase their drought tolerance in uh, response to sound. So it's certainly plausible and this is where the team is pointing the next stage of their research. Now that we can, now that we know that plants do emit sounds, the next question is who might be listening. Hadney says, uh, "We are currently investigating the responses of other organisms, both animals and plants, to these sounds, and we're also exploring uh, our ability to identify and interpret the sounds." Uh, in completely natural environments. Wow. It's amazing. Thank you all for listening. I will see you in the trenches next time. Love you. Bye.